If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. I was happy for Dad after it was over and he had won, but I don't like to finish second. This is the Daytona 500, and thank God! It's an accomplishment that we'll not forget. There's a lot of satisfaction in winning the championship. Jeff Gordon out of turn number four. He will lay claim to his first ever Winston Cup victory, and it comes in the Coca-Cola 600. Rick Hendrick, I hope I'm with you for a long time. At the end of the day, you still want to see a lot of people in those stands. I am history. (laughs) Back in the day, with Steve Richards and Ron LeMasters. NASCAR history is a rich tapestry of speed, personality, and great racing. Here at Back in the Day, we celebrate that history by keeping it alive, just like Dale Earnhardt Jr. did on the original TV show. We'll take important dates, races, and trends in NASCAR and pass them along to you. Here comes Back in the Day from the Exalta Studio inside Junior Motorsports. Pocono Raceway is special in many regards. First, it's the only speedway that's less than 100 miles from both New York City and Philadelphia, which is probably the reason why they built it there. The Mattiolis, Dr. Joe and Dr. Rose, owned a ski resort, Camelback, in the Poconos, and they were anxious to make motorsports work in an area of the country where it was on the wane. The Mattiolis were hardworking specialists, Joe a dentist and Rose a podiatrist, from nose to toes, Joe and Rose, and they were all in on making Pocono a destination for the racer set. The track itself, originally designed by Indy 500 star Roger Ward for Ray Bestos, is the most unusual layout in the sport. Known as the Tricky Triangle, it's indeed triangular in shape with no two straightaways the same distance. Turn 1 at the end of the long front straightaway was based on Turn 1 at Trenton, New Jersey Speedway, with 14 degrees of banking. A short burst up the Long Pond Straight to Turn 2 lay the Tunnel Turn, which got its name from the fact that the only tunnel into the 2.5 mile speed plant was located there. Turn 2 was designed after one of the four identical corners at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with nine degrees of banking. Turn 3, the long sweeper that leads back into the front stretch, was patterned after one of the corners at the Old Milwaukee Mile with a teensy six degrees of banking. How long is the front straight? 3,650 feet, more than enough for Bobby Allison to land one of his Piper airplanes on, which he did once. The track opened in 1971, and on July 3rd of that year, Mark Donahue won the inaugural Schaefer 500 for IndyCars for team owner and native Pennsylvanian Roger Penske. I know this because I looked it up, and because my father drove a VW Beetle from Muncie, Indiana to Long Pond, Pennsylvania to witness it in person. Three years and a month later, Richard Petty would win the inaugural Pocono 500 for NASCAR machines. Let's check in and see what was happening in the world in 1971. On January 1st, all cigarette advertising on TV was banned, which meant Winston would spend its advertising revenue elsewhere, like in the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. All in the Family made its premiere on January 12th, and the episode featured the first toilet flush. ever on TV. Among those born in 1971 were cyclist Lance Armstrong, singers Mariah Carey and Adina Menzel of Frozen fame, and actor Ewan McGregor, who eventually trusted the Force in Star Wars. 
among those who passed in 1971 were Doors frontman Jim Morrison, Audie Murphy, the most decorated soldier of World War II, and I think to myself, and Louis Armstrong, old Satchmo. What a wonderful world. Went home to a sea of green, red roses too. That brings us to our topic for today, Pocono Raceway, the Tricky Triangle, and its unique standing among the NASCAR faithful. Let's bring in Steve Richards, longtime broadcaster and pit reporter for the Performance Racing Network, as well as producer of our show back in the day. Pocono certainly is a place like no other, at least in terms of NASCAR racing, isn't it? Well, absolutely, Ron, and it's a crew chief's nightmare because they have to set up for two of the three corners. You can never get all three of them right. you got to figure out where you're going to compromise and where your car will be the fastest. And, man, the drivers and the crew chiefs, there's so many meetings between engineers and team members and to try to figure out what are we going to do for race day. Sometimes you hit it, a lot of times you don't. And another problem is you have to figure out which kind of wildlife you're going to avoid. Well, that's true. You've seen all sorts of uh, things that happened at Pocono, anywhere from uh, squirrels on the track to uh, deer. Deer, yes. Back in probably, I think it was the 70s. Late 70s, yeah. Yeah, Ricky Rudd talked about Neil Bonnet. He hit a deer at Pocono. There's really not much signs that there was a deer there other than deer fur all stuck all around the car and stuff. And uh, four legs, four feet of a deer sticking out of the grill of a race car. Uh, I guess it was lucky that uh, nobody got hurt and it didn't come through the windshield. That was just one of the incidents. Deer, me. Deer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It was it was nothing unusual to see a deer, a fox, mm-hmm. uh, rather large canine-looking animals, which we couldn't identify from the press box. A cat. Cat, yes. A yeah. Cat. Bunnies. Bunnies, yeah. Bunnies did not last long at Pocono. Well, and also there was a strange delay when a fan set a fire in the woods down in turn number one. Well, there was also an idiot fan who ran across the racetrack while cars at speed. That's right. Yes, and barely got away with his life. Yeah, I believe Kyle Petty once said that he almost hit the guy. Never saw him, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure he's still running because I would scare me. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, people talk about Talladega being a a wild infield. Pocono's pretty up there when you think about it because there's a lot of space in there and a lot of – a lot of room to get up to stuff, like they used to say. Yeah, and they have a concert stage and plenty of uh, souvenir areas for fans and special events. And, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to run into. Man, it is out in the sticks, isn't it? Doesn't it seem like it? Oh, yeah, it definitely is. But it's still less than 100 miles from New York City and less than 100 miles from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know because I've made that drive 100,000 times. Yeah, my first visit, my only visit to the old Yankee Stadium was uh, on Saturday after the uh, ARCA race. I remember that. You told me about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah went with uh, a couple of the Wood Brothers. Right. I would have paid to see that. It was fun. Leonard and Glenn in, in uh, well, it was a- Eddie and... Actually, it was Ed and, uh, Ed and Len. Eddie and Len? Yeah. I'd still pay to see that. Yeah, it was fun. At New York City. Yeah. What, what are we doing here? <laughs> no, and you know Eddie and Len are great people. I'm not. I'm not picking on them. But my mom said that when you go to New York City, never look up at the tall buildings because they'll know you're a hick. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. I looked up anyway. You and know. you, you got to keep an eye on all those other people, those shifty people. That's true. <laughs> it's really close to about 250 million people. Mm-hmm. No, I, it, probably not that many, but it's, it's t- 15 million <laughs> people anyway in the metro areas. You would think. Mm-hmm. And it's. I mean, you go there, and it's like land through time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything is the Poconos, and everybody knows what the Poconos is famous for. What's Honeymoons, that? cabin, hot, you know, hot, camping. Heart-shaped. Heart-shaped beds. Tubs. Tubs, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. There was a, uh, you know, wedding chapels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's cool and all. Poconos are really, uh, uh, it's a nice place to be. But, you know, why would you build a racetrack there? 
Well, because maybe they wouldn't let them build it anywhere else. I don't know. Well, I, the I, land was available. Right, and and the Mattiolis, Rose and Joe were very very nice people. Mm-hmm. I think Rose is still around. Yes, but Doctor Joe yeah. was, uh, I mean, just a fantastic guy. Always had a, a hearty handshake and a hail fellow well met. And now, when he first moved to Pocono, he and Rose, they said it was like the wild wild west out there. This was a very desolate country, you know, 50 years ago. And uh, I was threatened up here many, many years ago. I used to live in my trailer in the back uh, of the old office and always had a German shepherd with me and I had permit to carry a sidearm. And I just got in the habit. And ever since then, I've been, uh, I always carried a sidearm. Still do. And now I've gotten too fat, I can't even put it on my belt. <laughs> <laughs> Joe is, a, I mean, just, a, there's never been a nicer guy. Yeah, yeah. And I was a snot-nosed 20-year-old kid. Now you're a snot-nosed 50-year-old. Yes, I'm, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, it's flu season, all right? Come on. Um, or, no, it's hay fever. That's it, not flu. Well, but I went to a, a reception at the Pocono Manor mm-hmm. that the, the track was hosting, and I was a fish out of water because this is what, this was high society in then. Mm-hmm. During a race weekend, Winston was having a party. Right. I had a coat and tie on and was completely a fish out of water. Rose Mattioli took me by the hand, introduced me to people I would need to know, and basically saw af- looked after me for the for the night. Mm-hmm. It was it was really incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I, I never properly thanked her for it. I don't think they're just wonderful people. They put their heart and soul into that place. Brandon Igdalski, who's the he's the president now, is mm-hmm. uh, is a uh, grandchild, and and I think you know it's just it's really good that that track has stayed in the family. Well, unfortunately, Pocono is known for some vicious wrecks. Bobby Allison, of course, we talked about that. And um, there was one incident where Jeff Gordon hit the wall very, very hard there. Steve Park flipped over there. Elliot Elliot Sadler has had some some dust-ups here, some really bad. I mean, it's amazing that guys have pretty much walked away from a lot of those uh, wrecks, although uh, Jeff Gordon recalled his wreck back in uh, 2007, and he told a funny story after he was checked out by doctors in New York City. Jeff had a CAT scan after that particular wreck. When I was standing there and I said, yeah, I'm here for my CAT scan, they said, well, where's the patient? I said, well, I am the patient. They're like, well, they told us there was a, a car accident. I said, yeah. They said, well, how fast were you traveling? I said, well, about 200 when, when the brakes went out. <laughs> I think I hit it at about 150, 160 miles an hour. And they're like, no, seriously, where's the patient? <laughs> and, and, and they couldn't grasp the fact that that was, was actually me walking in there. So that was not really funny, but kind of funny. I thought it was kind of funny. I think it's really funny. And it's, you know, Jeff's not, not a real big dude. No. And you, you think, all right, this little guy survived that? And, uh, well, New York doesn't pay much attention to racing, I don't think. Yeah. This The city. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I'm amazed that Elliot Sadler is still around with no permanent damage after that hit he took. And, I mean, he hit head on. The engine went one way. The car went the other. And Elliot flops out the side like a just-landed marlin off the coast of Florida mm-hmm. and knocked the breath out of him, I would imagine. And uh, But he got up and walked away. I mean, it yeah. was amazing. Now the walls there are not your typical walls. They're basically they're they're boilerplate backed up into berms, mm-hmm. so you move a little bit. And I think that's what helped him get out of that. Now a number of IndyCar drivers have tried stock car racing. One of those was uh, Dario Franchitti. Back in 2008, um, you know he was kind of amazed at how that Pocono layout looked and felt. Most ovals are you know four corner, 
you know, Indianapolis, each corner is a little bit different. Here, each corner is a lot different, you know, and it's monstrously, monstrously long straights. I mean, it's so big. It's, yeah, it's probably the scale of Indianapolis and Daytona, but they have build, a lot more buildings in the infield. This thing, it's just it's more like an airport than a racetrack. It's amazing. It, yeah, but bigger, but bigger. I mean, it's huge. <laughs> yeah, you know, he Dario was really cool, and I was used to just like to hear him talk. Uh huh. Yeah. Because he's Scottish to the max. But you know, I seriously though, you I've driven around that in a race car. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a Bertel Roos Racing School there. Yeah. When I worked at National Speedsport News, and we just used the the one end, uh, the turn three end. And man, I felt like I was going nine thousand miles an hour. Uh-huh. We were going the wrong way from the way we raced because that's the way the course was laid out. Right. I figure I'm going. I must be going 150 miles an hour. Uh huh. Top speed on a Formula Ford with a Ford Pinto engine in it, 105. That's pretty good though. But it feels like it because your butt's four inches off the ground. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's just whistling by. But you know, the, the place is is I've driven it. The right way in a pretty souped up is a Camaro at the time. Mm-hmm. And man, you just, you know, you think I am going great guns. And you look up and you realize you've just gotten out of turn one. Yeah. You know, it's it's like driving I-20 or I-77. <laughs> well, maybe not I-77 because nothing goes fast on I-77. How about 95? I-95, I- maybe. Exactly. You know. But that front stretch, I mean, you know, you could probably run eight abreast there in mm-hmm. any kind of car you wanted. Right. I saw them race semi-trucks there one year racing semis wow and it was they stopped that because they kept knocking the wall down and i mean that literally <laughs> and, and you know there used to be a three-quarter mile track on the infield they used to run the modified race of champions there uh-huh that was awesome right right and uh it was built for ray bestos brakes as a test facility well some drivers compared it to a road course it's a roval it's, it's a the ro- original roval yeah well some people do compare it to a road course right oh yeah yeah Dale Jr. says, Not really, because the speeds are so high in the corners here. Um, I I, uh, equate road courses or compare road courses to, like, low-speed corners, 90 degrees, stop, turn, go. Uh, This is very, you know, we're going through the corners very fast here. Um, You do uh, handle differently in all three corners, and you want to handle the best in turn three because the straightaway, the next straightaway is so long. So if you can get out of that corner really well or better than the next guy, you got a great passing opportunity on that straightaway. So you got to give a little bit up down here to do that. And they're not; it's never going to be perfect in all three corners. One's going to be great, and then the others you got to sort of deal with some problems or some little small issues. And and uh, so that's very similar to road course racing. You'll get in the car really great in the rights or be ba- and be bad in the lefts, and you sort of got to have a compromise somewhere. Uh, maybe the slow uh, turn 11 at Sonoma is, is not good, and there's no forward bite, and you got to work on that, but that hurts some of the faster corners. Uh, so it's very similar in, in, in that respect for sure. But um, just as a driver, I'm not much of a road racer, so I'm probably the worst guy to ask in that regard. But, you know, we got kind of lucky. had a great, great car. If we run third at Sonoma, you know it's a winning car right there. Junior won back-to-back there, too. 2014, he swept. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and Hendricks won a lot of races there. Jeff Gordon was money there for a long time. Jimmy Johnson's also won there. Mm-hmm. He had a reaction to some who say it's kind of a road course or Indianapolis-style track. It's hard to say there's a direct comparison to either of the two tracks, but skills required of a road course you know, need to need to be in your, your bag here. Uh, same thing with, with Indy. The way you road course race here has changed, especially with the parameters we have on our transmission ratios. It's not a comfortable thing to do, and you have the option to not shift. So it's 
sure it helps. I think there's some drivers just wired to be in that uncomfortable mindset and willing to abuse the training, abuse the engine uh, around here to, to put up a lap. Um, I think it's awesome. I love it. I love that option and, and opportunity. The Indy correlation, you know, I think the tunnel turns probably the closest to that. But there's been years where we can say from the 48 side that, yes, what we did at Pocono carried over. I can't say that's been the case lately. Uh, I think with the previous generation of car and rules package, there was more of a, a comparison of the two or parallel to the two. But of late, we've, we've been a little different than uh, in a few generations ago. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is, and and it is the ultimate, uh, you know, crapshoot track mm-hmm. because you're going really fast into turn one, and it's a banked corner. It's 14 degrees of banking, which you know Charlotte's 24, mm-hmm. you know Talladega, Bristol, they're in the 30s. 14 degrees of banking isn't much, but it's about all you're going to get at that place. Yeah, and then you know Long Pond Straight, and then turn two, tunnel turn. That is definitely Indianapolis. It's not a 90 degree like Indianapolis is, but turn three is just a. I mean, it's a it's a buster because it's flat, it's hard. You wanna you wanna let the ponies run, but you can't because you know the back end will swap. I mean, it's just it's very flat. It's six degrees of banking. But you talked about the sensation of speed. Yes. Matt Kenseth told me a couple of years ago that Pocono has more of a sensation of speed than the restrictor plate tracks. Mm-hmm. Daytona and Talladega, even when you're going fast, don't typically feel very fast because you're wide open all the way around there. Uh, we're here, you're doing a lot of heavy braking into turn one, and, and things can get fairly exciting in a hurry. And uh, you're looking at a 90-degree wall coming up in front of you. So I'd say it definitely feels faster here. Well, it does because, you know, as as fast as I go, they're probably two, 205 to, mm-hmm. to run in there coming mm-hmm. into turn one. Yeah. And you have to shut it down. There's no other place here. Look at look at California. I've seen them hit turn one at 210. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you're, you're going 198 when you get out of two. You know, here you're down to 160. Mm-hmm. You know when you and you have to bust it down the straightaway. I'm amazed they don't break more transmissions than they do. Yeah, especially with the shifting. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's just it's tremendous load on on every aspect of it. Now, interestingly enough, technically, I've seen races at every track that is represented in the corners at Pocono. Because mm-hmm. when I was my first year of life, my first several months of life, yes, I saw a race. Saw quote quotation marks right a race at trenton uh-huh. my parents drove there from indiana right uh, seems to be a history <laughs> right um in an mg midget with me in the jump seat oh wow. enough really and then i i went to uh milwaukee uh-huh. to see in both indy cars and uh, when we raced with asa right and obviously i've been to indianapolis sure but when you connect them all three it's just like it's like putting it's like monza monza used to have a, a pretty much vertical turn the mm-hmm. road course in italy had a vertical turn Unlike Indianapolis. But you're forgetting something. What? Part of the layout, well, I shouldn't say layout, is based on the Kentucky Derby. Churchill, Churchill Downs. Churchill Downs. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I didn't know. Oh, the, the front stretch? <laughs> the front stretch. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've been to Churchill Downs. I've never seen a race there. Though. Well, that's okay. That counts. Yeah. But no, I mean, it's a great place. And what's the other fact that you know about the front stretch? I don't know anything. It houses behind the stands uh-huh. the world's longest bathroom. Oh, that's right. Long John. Long John. Sense of humor up in the Pocono Hills. I've never had any reason to go over to Long John. Well, because you're always in the infield. Yeah. Have you been over there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Well, I used to lead track tours, and we'd meet outside because you couldn't get in. So I had to go pick them up there, and you usually, you know, you're drinking, and it's hot and whatever. And uh, so you visit Long John, and then go lead a tour, washing your hands first. Perfect. Yeah. You know, it's it's a really cool thing. They they have to kind of manufacture some stuff mm-hmm. there, interest-wise. Mm-hmm. But, man, I remember the press release when it went out. And, and my old boss ran it, I mean, prominently. He mentioned it in his column, and we ran a story on it. 
Hmm. It's the first and only story I've ever written on a bathroom. Was it a crappy story? It was. Yeah. <laughs> Pissed a lot of people off, too. <laughs> Highlight reel. Highlight yeah. reel. I'm going to leave it there. Yeah, there you go. But something that needs to be said, too, is that the France family had a big effect mm-hmm. on Pocono. Because Papa Joe could not make the payments one year. You know what's really cool? Hmm. When you go into the uh, the media center, they still have a giant blow-up picture of Bill France's car, his business card, right on the wall. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, well, th- we've said before how, how nice the Mattiolis are. Right. He said, look, he told Joe and Rose, look, as long as I'm here, as long as anybody I know runs this place, you'll have a race. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they took him at his word, and they spent the money that they didn't have to make improvements that they needed. And he honored that to the day he died, and so did Bill Jr., and so far now, so has Brian. And uh, the garage area is named after Adam Petty. Right, which is a classy move. Mm-hmm. Because Richard won the inaugural race, and, and the Pettys and the Mattiolis got along very, very well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody didn't get along with the Mattiolis. Really, you know, it's it's a it's a wonderful family. They Rose does so much for people that that's one of the only places I know that actually has a lounge for the ladies ah. in the in the pit area. You cannot go in there if you are not a lady. Mm-hmm. Not that you really want to, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Right. I mean, it, but it's nice that they have, and she pays attention to that kind of thing. Uh huh. It's right there by the by the press room. Well, they actually uh, have a little media dinner every mm-hmm. year. And uh, invite the media over, and they make mint juleps. Right. You, you can get all sorts of alcohol over there. You can get stupid in a hurry on mint and juleps, the food too. And food is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, it, that's the only only track I know that's ever served pierogies as a main course. Yeah, that's right. You have it, well, they have them in the, uh, in the media center, center for, uh, for lunch as well. We used to stay at the Pocono Manor, and it's an old line. Think Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. You know, Catskills, Poconos. Mm-hmm. It's an old line hotel in that in that vein, right? And man, I'm telling you what, there was food from here to yonder, yeah. And it's a buffet style, and there's waiters that have been there since it opened. Shoot, since Pennsylvania became a state, I'm sorry, it's a Commonwealth, right? But um, there's people that have been there 50 plus years, so it's a really cool thing to do. And the food was good too. You can go a long way on German cooking. <laughs> I'm telling you what. Oh, that's some of the best. Oh yeah, and and there's plenty of it. Did you know also about Pocono? Hmm. Pocono is the largest sports facility in the world with uh, solar power. Yes. That's really cool, though. Yeah. But, you know, I wonder I wonder how it generates that much power with only four days of sunshine the entire year. They stock up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, how many times have you gone to Pocono and had practice delayed because of fog <laughs> at 1030 or 11 o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah. Or the yeah. morning, I mean. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and it really, too, getting there, before they actually got the exit off of 85, mm-hmm. and not 85, I-80. I-80, yeah. Um, and then the access to Long Pond Road from the other side on 380, mm-hmm. it was a bear to get there. I mean, it was 940 or bust. Yeah. And that's Route 940, Pennsylvania. But um, it was very, very difficult to get in. It's sort of like, you know, Michigan and other uh, – Richmond used to be hard to get into. Now it's not. But Pocono, I mean, it was a great drive, too, because you could – I mean, if you timed it right, you could whistle right through. You timed it wrong, dude. And I've listened to the start on the radio while still outside the gate. I go the back way. I think the Long Pond Road. Long Pond Road. Yep. And you got to go by the volunteer fire department and contribute to the boot. Well, no, not that way. Not the way I go. Oh, do you come, come up the little crossroad? Yeah, there's another way. There's yep. a couple different ways you can go. Mm-hmm. But there is, like you said, mentioned, there's a local volunteer fire department. They have the boot out and... I did pass there a few times, always put in a couple bucks mm-hmm. to help out the locals, and uh, it's a great fundraiser for them. 
They, they're I, the don't only bl- I don't blame them. No, I don't. But they're the only volunteer fire department with a Porsche fire engine. <laughs> <laughs> Who had the most wins there in uh, their career? Pocono, let me see. Hang on. Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon was six. Right. And what's interesting is the most laps completed in Pocono history. Terry Labonte. Oh, yeah, yeah. Terry was really good there. Yeah. A little over 9,800 laps. Completed. And Jeff Gordon got one of those wins because Terry lunched a transmission on a restart with three to go. Did you know, also, speaking of facts, hmm. A.J. Foyt's last IndyCar victory came in 1981 at Pocono. Ah, okay. It was his 67th and last. Uh-huh, right. Um, let's see. What other interesting things? That was where Bobby Allison's driving career ended, too. Oh, yeah. 1988. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just a really a messed up deal because... He had gotten crossways on the initial start, uh, spun coming off a one, mm-hmm. and a driver named Giacomo Giacomo mm-hmm. hit him square in the door. And because of that, he still can't remember the Daytona 500 nope. when he finished ahead of his son, Davey. The fact that he came back to do anything at all after that crash yeah. is amazing. It's amazing, yeah. yeah. And I, we were there on the media tour. I don't know if you were there or not. When he came back. I was there, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. Uh, might have been Atlanta. I think it was Atlanta. But he came out and he spoke for the first time to the assembled media that then and i was just i had tears in my eyes i mean yeah. it was so, it was so sad he was such a great guy he yeah. is such a great guy i mean yes but you know he wasn't what he was after junior one of the funniest cuts it was funny back in back in this year back in 2014 uh, mm-hmm. is when he won back to back at pocono with right. uh, steve latart he took a lot of flack because there are a lot of people that bash junior you mm-hmm. know for some yeah. reason they say he's overrated you know this yeah, and that and this and that and of course when twitter comes along people try their best to get to junior but he just laughs right he just laughs so post-race after he won his second race at Pocono he talked about laughing at all the folks on Twitter that bash him some of the stuff the haters say is the funniest stuff <laughs> what do they say it's not memorable <laughs> no no I guess if I remembered it it bothered me the real short ones like you suck <laughs> those are the those are the best ones <laughs> Do you ever tweet back to them? No, my, I just favorite them and block them. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> I thought that was great. Well, you know, nobody ever said he was he was silly about social media. I mean, he's he's a pretty smart guy. Oh, oh yeah. And, you know, I cannot imagine growing up in the fishbowl that he did. Right. You know, and, and look, you have to have that because some people will make it a mission just to tick you off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's he plays that game really, really well. Denny Hamlin won back-to-back there. Yes, he did. And um, it, what was funny about that is that he couldn't find the trophy. After <laughs> his second win, he couldn't find the trophy. He found it at the race shop. It was in the trophy case. Mm-hmm. He wanted it. Yeah. So he went and got it. They took it home. They put it in the trophy case for about a day. And I got to thinking, I have my computer room, and it's got all my trophies sitting there. And I was looking around, and I said, you know, where's my Pocono trophy at? So I had to go steal it out of the trophy case. <laughs> Talk about some people steal pencils. Yeah, other paper clips. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, just a, a, and that's a nice trophy too. Yeah. You know, one of the other things too. Tim Richmond mm-hmm. was probably one of the best drivers at Pocono. Mm-hmm. He won there three in a row, 1986, both of them, and then 1987. Bill Elliott swept in 1985. Mm-hmm. In 2002, Dale Jr. and then teammate Steve Park crashed so hard in turn one they tore down the the Armco barrier on the inside of the track. That led to them replacing all that interior wall, and eventually it led to safer barriers down there. It doesn't diminish the way I feel about Pocono. You know, I mean, I love racing in Pocono, and it wasn't a hard wreck. It was a violent wreck, you know, so uh, 
And the worst part is, you know, the car landing outside and stuff, uh, you know, I, I was trapped, you know, because of the, uh, uh, the Hans of Ice and, and the head restraints that we have. And I'm not the smallest guy in the, in the garage. So it was hard because I had to exit out the right side of the car and it's hard to get out the right side. So the positive things that came out of it were we shortened the right side headrest and put a net in. So if you have to get out the right side of the car, uh, you can be my size. So, uh, you know, you got to look at the positive things that came out of it. Interesting, you know, and, and really, Pocono was not, it, Chuck Bound was really hurt in a crash down in there. He just piled into the turn one wall, mm-hmm. and it was that boilerplate pushed up against, uh, you know, an earthen bank. Right. And they fixed that. They will react to changes as they can. Well, thank goodness safer barriers are all around the track now. Right. NASCAR is typically a reflexive uh, organization. Mm-hmm. Something has to happen before they'll fix it. Reactive, yeah. Uh, re- yeah what did I say? Reflective. I, reflective. I meant reactive. You, that's all right. You, you know me too well. Yeah, that's all right. But, um, you know, and Pocono is just a great track because it is so different. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about cookie-cutter racetracks, and, you know, you can't tell Chicago and Kansas apart unless you eat the barbecue, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, Daytona or Michigan and Michigan and Auto Club are the same primarily you know there's a lot of tracks that are the same but Pocono is, is unique among all racetracks that I've ever been to even the road courses so it's a great place to go and I spent a lot of time there because it was the closest big track to the base we have and we had in New Jersey when I worked for Economaki so a lot of memories there this week's featured segment as always is called beat the buzzer it's very simple we've managed to entice Buzz McKim world's foremost historian on NASCAR racing <laughs> and Mexican food at the NASCAR Hall of Fame to join us each week for this segment. And as if that isn't enough, our listeners can win prizes too. Buzz, welcome to Back in the Day. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I hope your Memorial Day was a wonderful one. We did. It was It was great. I sat there and watched the Indy 500. I watched the Coca-Cola 600 and mm-hmm. uh, pretty much did nothing. Okay. You weren't able to get up in time to watch Monaco, I suppose. No. And believe it or not, even I watched most of the Indy 500. That was a great race. And the Coke 600. That's right. Good job. Nice. uh, For for once, once, not on pit road. That's right. I had the I had the weekend off. Oh my! My my wife's birthday was that weekend, so I decided to take off. There you go. Beautiful. Congratulations, Buzz. We're talking about Pocono. What neat Mm -hmm. historical stuff do you have for us on Pocono? Very interesting. You know, Pocono. They say it's built on a mountaintop, which I guess it sort of kind of is, but it's kind of flat where they're at. you know, they, uh, they have some pretty harsh winters, and uh, that takes a heck of a toll on the asphalt, so they have to kind of keep track of the asphalt more than most tracks. But, you know, it was, it was um, uh, open in, in late 69. They ran a three-quarter mile track on the front stretch there. They ran a super-modified race. Unfortunately, they lost uh, Troy Rutman Jr. in that race. Right. Uh, very, very unfortunate. But then they opened up the triangular configuration they ran the indycar race in 71 and you know nascar didn't get around to getting to pocono until 1974 and uh the um let's see that first race was won by the king richard petty uh yes he was mm-hmm. um actually that was one of our questions <laughs> oh my <laughs> Why? uh you know how that this works buzz you've been doing this for a while with us uh, mm-hmm. Let's set this up for the people listening. Uh, the week before each episode, we'll put out the call for Junior Nation and Dirty Mo followers to take to our Twitter accounts, which are at Exalta Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio, and post with the hashtag back in the day and tagged with at Exalta. Buzz will represent one lucky fan and beat the buzzer against us, Steve, you and me. Yeah. The, we'll call us the Washington Generals or this the week. Serious disadvantage. Serious disadvantage. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
if Buzz answers all three correctly, which he normally does, mm -hmm. that one responder chosen randomly will win a prize from either Dirty Mo Radio or Exalta. So this week, the person Buzz is playing for is Michael Mitchell. Congratulations. Hey. Michael Great. Mitchell. I went to school with a guy named Mike Mitchell. He isn't from Daytona, is he? I, I don't know. Okay. I, don't, I can find that out. If, if so, we'll tell you what. We'll include a note. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And, uh, you know, being as how we're in your wheelhouse. Mitchell is a family name for me as well. So maybe oh. we're, maybe we have to. Well, we're, we won't disqualify. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's not an employee. We don't need nepotism. <laughs> that's right. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, no nepotism in NASCAR? Come on now. Um, all right. So we're going to go start with our questions. We're going to start with number one. Steve, why don't you take that one? All right. Question number one. Who won the first NASCAR race at Pocono Raceway? <laughs> well, I do believe that might have been the king, Richard Petty. Where have we heard that before? I don't, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's sort of a, a deja vu. Get a little flashback, right? Yeah. That was easy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The ding, ding, ding. We no, win that one. No, you don't have to say like, that was easy. That was easy. That's how you have to say it. <laughs> All right, number two. Who's the only driver to sweep both races at Pocono twice? Ooh, isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. But, you know, there have been seven drivers who have swept both races at Pocono, but I don't believe there's ever been one that swept it twice. Uh, yes, there has. Yes, there has. Really? Who is okay, it? Well, Denny oh. Hamlin. No, oh. you, didn't, you didn't give him a chance to answer. Oh. Or guess. Well, hey, he, be ding dong. he okay, answered well, the first one without me six. asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> the tie goes to the contestant. The tie goes to the contestant. You're right. Well, that's interesting. Good. Okay, well, go ahead and slam me down for one there that uh, didn't no, work no, out. I know, tie goes uh, to uh, you. Well, I know I know. Denny uh, has been very, very good at that track, and I know he swept both of them in, uh, oh, let me see here, in t uh, the 2006. But um, and then he did win back to back, but they were different years, if I'm not mistaken. So, well, that's uh, the errors on me then. So, okay, yeah, okay. Well, I'll tell you what he won. He won the uh, the second race in '09, and then he won the first race in 2010. So you know, it kind of looks like back to back, but they were uh, two different years. Oh, that's oh, not but, good. You know, now here's the thing, though. Now, if you want to get real technical, if you talk about a sweep, mm. um, you didn't specify within the single year. So, by jingles, I think that uh, that I fell short on that one. So, well, no, no, uh, I, no. I think you sure I, about that. Well, we're going to put that one to the commissioner's office. I, <laughs> I think okay. I think it goes to the contestant. We were all sort of right. Yes. So yeah. you know, you'll be worried our own little a, way. That's know? okay. That's all right. Wouldn't it be great sure. if that was that way in marriage? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number three. Which former racing champion designed the iconic turns at Pocono? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, that uh, the track was actually designed back in uh, the late 60s, and it took a while to get it built. You know, they, uh, a lot of different groups got in there, and they tried to put it together. Finally, Doc Mattioli was the guy who really, really put it over the top. But he brought in Roger Ward, two-time Indy 500 champion, to, uh, to help with the design. And uh, all three different turns are based on USAC tracks, really. And, uh, and he was basing that on his own experience. And uh, and so uh, it was Roger Ward. You are correct, sir. Wonder oh. if he's any relation to Ward Burton. Oh I, no, he he. Uh, Roger speaks fluent English. <laughs> or uh, Ward Dick Grayson. <laughs> 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 Ward Dick. Grayson. That's right. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, back at the hall. <laughs> Buzz, you did it again. I tell you. Thank you, Buzz, for uh, for showing up and kicking our butts again. And we we really appreciate it. This is a kick for both Steve and I every week we do it. We will. Uh, it's we the will... highlight of the show. It is. Well, gentlemen, you guys are so much fun to mess with, and I really do appreciate it. And I certainly do hope I'm earning my keep here. You know? Oh, uh, absolutely. Okay. Everybody tunes in to hear you. We just kind of provide the filler between oh. <laughs> between the intro and, and we, this. We still owe him lunch, you know. We do. Yeah. Yes, we do. Oh, okay. Actually, he might eat free for half a year. Yeah, I'm going to try to wangle a Golden Corral gift certificate or something. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'd settle for a ham and cheese from 7-Eleven. I don't care. There you go. That's what we're buying you, by the way. We can oh, do that. Great. Yeah. Darn, he's guessed it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Buzz, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week on Back in the Day. Fantastic. Have a great week, guys. That's it for this episode of Back in the Day. Thanks to Buzz McKim, our resident NASCAR guru, for playing along with us again. And keep an eye on at Exalta Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio for the opportunity to play along. Remember, history is made every day, so be a part of it with Back in the Day. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Hey, I'm Justin Allgaier, driver of the Junior Motorsports number 7 Chevrolet. Racing Electronics provides the best communication equipment and technology to professional teams and drivers, and that very same technology is available in the products they offer to race fans. Visit RacingElectronics.com to learn more.